Well, hello, Lions. Welcome to the one, the only, the Roaring Lions podcast, the best podcast in all of lionism. My name is Lion Daniel Marnie Elkins, and you might be surprised to hear my voice instead of our regular host. And that is because today, the special guest on the Roaring Lions podcast is none other than the man, the myth, the legend behind the podcast, Lion Paul Fugate. Welcome, Paul. Welcome to your own podcast. Thank you, Daniel. It's, uh, I guess I've been a long time coming. <laughs> well, absolutely. So often you are the one asking the questions, and your longtime listeners uh, have a desire to know a little bit more about the person uh, who helps make this podcast happen uh, on a regular basis. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you, to interview you, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say. <laughs> all right. Well, I guess we'll start out with the usual three questions, Daniel, that I always give all my guests. Uh, I guess a little bit about myself. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Lion Paul Fugit. Fugit. I'm... Uh, Currently, district governor-elect for District 90C here in Iowa. I'm from the great city of Mount Vernon, Iowa. Uh, love my town. Uh, great to be back in my hometown after a little bit of hiatus when we unfortunately had to move away when I was a kid. And happy to be back here. And it's just been great ever since coming coming back here to this town. Uh, uh, I gotta say, Daniel, when you come to my convention, I'm gonna be bragging a lot about my hometown <laughs> if you if you're able to come out here and love to give you a tour of it uh sometime uh uh i'm a uh, paraeducator for a living i help mm -hmm. with uh special needs and uh learning disability students at the high school here in town uh doing that now for the past two years i uh went to college for criminal justice Believe it or not, that's what I majored in, and uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that. That's what I went to school for, and uh, other than that, uh, I I like to travel, and obviously, with this COVID nineteen pandemic, that hasn't happened very much. But my other hobby I like doing is uh, board games, especially Monopoly, and hopefully, one of these days I can try to compete to get to the u.s uh uh championships for monopoly sometime that's fascinating i did not even know that they had a u.s championship of monopoly but that makes sense there's actually a world championship so only okay. one per country gets in so wow. and there's 50 countries that play monopoly they have oh, official monopoly tournaments and they do it every four years so well, uh, I remember how competitive the Monopoly games got in my family, so I can't even imagine what they are on a national championship level. So if you're ready to compete at that, that's truly incredible. So let's get right down uh, to business. So Lion Paul, how did you end up becoming a lion? Well, I'm, my story is different than a lot of others. Um, my mom became a lion when I was in fourth grade which would have been about 2001 mm -hmm. uh, she got asked by her former elementary school teacher to be a lion and uh, 
uh, she climbed up through the ladder and uh, did a lot of things, and uh, she eventually became uh, district governor about five or six years ago, and uh, I was a freshman in high school, and she started traveling to all these conventions, and I, I just had to ask, I'm like, what? And I'll be blunt about it. What the hell are you doing traveling to all these Lions conventions? What's the big deal? Uh -huh. um, <laughs> and she told me this would have been the summer of my freshman year in high school, between the freshman and sophomore years. And she's like, well, if you want to know about it so much, then you can tag along. So I head on out to Des Moines. Uh, where the state convention was that year. That would have been the year of 2006, I believe, and go out there and learn about what Lions Club do. And I'm like, holy cow. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about an introductory to Lions going to a multiple district convention, you're going to learn a lot. Absolutely. And uh, as they say, uh, the rest was history after that. Uh, became a leo in the following uh uh the following year and uh um just been working my way up ever since uh joined lions two days after my 18th birthday and that's incredible I, like i said the rest is history after that <laughs> uh so uh, you are officially a leo lion i am yes that is wonderful. That is wonderful. It's such a great program, encouraging Leos into becoming Lions. And I hope more and more Leos are follow in your footsteps. So, uh, I was a Leo Lion before they called it a Leo Lion, I guess. That's so. right. <laughs> Predating the program. But now you have an official pin uh, to recognize uh, your status. And I, I wear that pin proudly. I like to wear that pin very proudly. I like how uh, LCI uh, Marketing came out with that. So I, I wear that with pride on my... Uh, on my uh, suit jacket. That is that is excellent. So during your time as a Leo, what is your favorite memory from your time as being a Leo when it comes to serving your community or leadership development? Uh, what memory do you hold the most dear from that time? Oh, I'd say favorite project or memory I did. Um was probably where uh, we helped uh, the uh, animal shelter that was struggling uh, in Tipton, oh. Iowa, uh, where I was a Leo at. And uh, we uh, did several projects that year. That's what, they, that's what we decided to do. And we gave them $2,000 and that, uh, that really helped them uh, buy a lot of buy a lot of food for mm -hmm. that animal shelter so i guess that's what we that was the major project we did as a leo um as a lion uh um there's a lot uh but one that comes to mind that i always tell people it's not so much a project it's just a, a memory mm -hmm. uh occasion that happened uh i got invited to uh a wedding when I used to work in the casino business uh, by one of my co-workers I go to the wedding and uh, reading the bio on how they met and uh, 
It was very, <laughs> that hit me in the heart uh, big time. Uh, they uh, they actually met at uh, Lions Club Youth Exchange camp here in Iowa. Uh, oh, wow. His wife was from Indonesia. Uh, he was from Iowa. And uh, that's, that's how they met. And, uh, you know, the, once Facebook came along, they got in touch again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you know, you know, as they fell in love and, uh, she came over here and, uh, they had their wedding and everything. And I was just like, whoa, uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I couldn't believe that Lions Club united these two true loves together. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, in a wedding, you put on your suit jacket, you know, right? Uh, mm -hmm. suit tie. Well, I didn't realize I still had my Lions Club pin on. Um, so you're going down the, the line, congratulating the bride and groom mm -hmm. and, uh, I congratulate the bride and groom and the bride told me, uh, I noticed, I, I noticed you're wearing your Lions Club pin today. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't even realize I had it on. And she, she said, uh, and this, this just still hits me in the heart every time. Uh, if it wasn't for Lions Club, we would have not been married. Hmm. Well, that is such an incredible story. And, uh, you know, as you know, it is part of the mission of Lions Clubs International to uh, promote peace and encourage international understanding through Lions Clubs. And apparently connecting true loves from different countries is a part of that. That is a wonderful, wonderful uh, story. So in your career as going from a Leo to a Leo Lion, to someone who has stepped up to become a district uh, governor-elect. What was uh, the thing that inspired you to want to uh, take that path and journey, to not just serve uh, within a club, but to actually step up and become a leader within your district? Well, uh, Daniel, I've had a lot of mentors over the years. Um, and uh, I, I just want to say this was not my mother's doing on what me to become district governor. She she just let let me forge my own path in Lions. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I just love to serve. I and be a ser a servant leader. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm not out to you know reinvent the wheel. But uh, mm -hmm. I just wanna, I just wanna show my fellow lions that there's a, there's another way to serve, <laughs> and uh, um, I just wanna be the best servant lions leader I can be. Uh, that's 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 what happened, and it was just a natural progression, and mm -hmm. a lot of and a lot of encouragement from a lot of mentors here, and not just in Iowa, but around the country and around the world. To, uh, as one of them say, one of them told me, uh, make your mark. And that's, uh, that's what I'm going to try to do is make, make my mark and, uh, just lead by example, I guess is the biggest thing. Well, uh, you have already done so with the creation of this podcast. I mean, the, the Roaring Lions uh, podcast is bringing lionism into a, uh, a whole new medium, a whole new way of uh, learning about our association and the people who serve in it. So I do have to thank you uh, for stepping out and, and, and doing that and making your mark uh, within uh, this medium. 
but inquiring a minds a want to know because uh, you are that rare breed of someone who is under the age of 40 who has dedicated their lives to this association and this is a subject that i have seen you uh, present on at uh, international conventions in the past but can you share your thoughts on how do we as lions find more people like you or inspire more people like you to want to serve our association well, since the time's unlimited here, Daniel, I'd love to share. <laughs> um, that's the good thing about this. Uh, the, the the biggest thing is uh, we got to keep being the best kept secret in the world. Uh, there, I mean, that's the biggest thing I notice is when I when I've been traveling it just in my own district around. Uh, uh, I rarely see newspaper articles or any internet posts whatsoever about what Lions Clubs are doing. And I always see a lot, I always see a bunch of social media and newspaper articles about what nonprofits are doing and how much money they're raising and they're them giving away checks. And I'm like, well, why aren't we doing that? Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's not the worst reason in the world, but uh, I'll, um, they just don't want to brag. Uh, they just, they, I think a lot of clubs have that, uh, you know, mindset of, well, we don't want to brag and we don't want to self-promote ourselves. We just want to do the good. And I'm mm -hmm. like, nothing wrong with that. It's just, uh, I guess going off on a tangent a little bit, I think in my opinion, Daniel, I think, uh, a lot of clubs, you know that since I've done some research now and into this topic, I think a lot of clubs got a lot really too complacent in the '90s because the membership wasn't too bad, and then when the new millennium hit, uh, a lot of a lot of members were starting to unfortunately pass away, and then all of a sudden, within about 15 years, we're like, uh oh, in the United States, we have a membership problem now, and they did. They did not recruit the Gen Xers very much, uh, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I, I I I say complacency because club membership was really good in the '90s when you look mm -hmm. at the numbers. And uh, I I think that mentality of well recruit 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 just stopped and we're we're you know content now and. Then when the new millennium hit, uh, you know, we're in a membership crisis and it's just not gotten any better, unfortunately, in some areas. And there's been a lot of club club uh, closings. And uh, now uh, a lot of clubs are uh, in desperation mode trying to get members and uh, their clubs aren't doing the service that they were because they don't have enough members. And then it's hard to recruit new uh, lions into that club when they're not actively serving their community. And uh, I kind of call it the vicious cycle of lionism. When you're not serving, uh, you're going to lose members. You're not going to get new leaders. And you're going to eventually fold the club. And that's unfortunately what's happening with a lot of clubs um, hmm. right now. So, but this is something that specifically speaking... Your club seems to have found a, a solution for having 
followed your uh, development over the last couple of years. I know your club has actually been quite successful in continuing its membership growth. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about how that your club has done this and how other clubs can replicate the successes that you've been having? Well, like I, I always tell people, Daniel, there's no magic wand. There's no magic formula. There's no, uh, you know, there's no secret sauce. I mean, it, it comes down to membership and or marketing and membership uh, and selling your service. That's what that's what it comes down to. Like like Lions Clubs did in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, if you ever go in a newspaper archives, you'll see a lot of a lot of. Uh, you know, newspaper articles from the 50s, 60s, 70s showing what Lions Clubs was doing. And they were selling their service and getting people to be members back then wasn't very hard because they, they knew of the reputation. And um, I think I remember going to a seminar one time when I was just starting out in Lions that the Lions Club logo used to be one of the most recognizable nonprofit logos in the United States. And now it's not even anywhere close. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, we sat down as a group and uh, using some of the training I had from LCI uh, through different things uh, we came up with a membership and marketing plan uh, it was a five year plan started back in 17 and that first year the goal was to be actively serving or the goal was not membership the goal was service because we got to sell a product before we you know get customers so the that was the first year's goal was to sell the product and we did i mean through a website social media newspaper articles all sorts of things community outreach and i'm happy to say this will be year four now of this deal and we've added 17 new members in four years we went from uh 32 when i moved back to mount vernon now we're at 46 so excellent um we've unfortunately had some drops uh, a couple deaths and you know just life things but we really haven't had anybody leave the club because they're frustrated and uh that's that's the good thing is to not have those type of drops it's just life things that happen mm -hmm. and you you take them as they come but um I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing, it's nothing complex. It's just getting your name out there and actively serving. And I, I always say check writing's good, but it, like, if you're going to do a check writing event, get one of those big checks that you can write with an Expo marker and write whoever it's going to and do photo ops with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, when I mean active serving, I mean, getting your hands dirty and doing some stuff like that and. I'll tell you what, uh, everything takes care of itself then. Um, it's it's not that hard if you're actively serving your community. So uh, actively serving your community is the way to grow your club and keep members uh, coming in. But you also mentioned that you've had uh, success with retention. How do you keep your members engaged and wanting to stay as Lions within your Lions Club? I, I like I said, it's just the, the service thing. <laughs> I mean, as long yeah. as we're as long as we're doing something and uh, people get that satisfaction of they're actually doing good, I mean, it's not that hard to to retain. Well, uh, I, I, I I I I mean, I, I know it sounds simple, but 
I mean, t to me, that's what it is. I mean, keeping your members actively engaged and making sure that they're content with what's going on. Uh, I, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, oh. I mean, it's nothing complex. It's just staying active. Well, I have to agree with you 100%, but I just wanted you to spell it out specifically uh, for the listeners because uh, personally, I believe that recruitment and retention are two sides of the same coin. And ultimately speaking, service is the answer to both of those potential problems. And it's wonderful to hear how your club has done that. And like you said, it is nothing complex. You are just serving your community. And because you are serving your community and people are seeing you out there and you're helping, as you said, sell your story of what you're doing, people want to join Lions Club. And because you're actively serving, they are also then happy with their membership uh, in Lions Club. And, and I think that's a it's, a, it's an important point. And I wouldn't understate it by saying, you know, it, it's simple because if it were simple, everyone would be doing it. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and right now, uh, you, you know, as, as the membership numbers show, uh, the lessons that you have learned are still uh, things that some of us need to realize. So thank you uh, for breaking it down. Uh, in, in such a way and, and making it uh, so easily understandable that we as Lions uh, just need uh, to serve uh, our communities. So as you are getting ready to serve as a district governor in the middle of a global pandemic, how has COVID-19 changed your plans for what you're intending on doing next year as district governor uh if i could just cycle back real quick daniel uh okay. i uh the the thing that you're kind of alluding to I, I call it the grand cycle of how to be a successful club okay and uh i i have this flow chart it's a it's a uh it's a big circle mm -hmm. and it okay. starts with uh, service for others and it leads to new members, which leads to new leaders, which leads to new ideas to serve, which leads to the retention of those members, which leads to service to others. And that's the grand cycle. If you can, it all comes down to service to others. And like I said, everything else takes care of itself. And uh, if you actively serve your community and not keep it a secret, you're not gonna have a, you're not gonna have a membership problem. And you need to ask people to join your club. You can't just have them come to you. You gotta go to them. And uh, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's like I said, it's nothing. There's no secret. There's no magic, you know, secret sauce. There's no magic wand. It's just it's what we do, and that's how we're successful. How is that success uh, to, to tie it back in uh, to uh, the, the question I was beginning to ask? Um, how has that success been changed by the pandemic? What does your club service look like now as opposed to a year and a half ago? Um, the only thing that's really changed, uh, Daniel, is the meetings, uh, mm -hmm. how we're meeting. That, that's it. Uh, everything else, I mean, we're still serving when we can, where we can. Mm -hmm. And the perfect you... example I have of that is uh, we had this horrible, horrible storm come through back in August. Uh, it's called a derecho. And what it is, it's uh, 
It's a basically a land hurricane. And uh, we had straight line winds, sustained straight line winds for at least an hour. And from anywhere from 100 to 130 miles an hour that came through East Central Iowa. And it, Cedar Rapids was just hit the hardest. Hmm. And uh, uh, two day, we were without power for five to six days. <clears throat> two days after the storm happened, we all organized. And we didn't have internet either. We had nothing. We had to meet, you know, in person. We couldn't really use our cell phones either. And uh, we did a grill out two days after the storm. Still no power to the town. Then we organized it in 12 hours. And uh, that's amazing. We served 500, and this, you know, no people had warm meals for like two, three days. And we did this community grill out, and uh, we served 500 hamburgers and hot dogs to anybody who wanted to come get them. And we also served all the city workers and firemen and policemen who were trying to clean up the town to get the power back on, and to those line workers who were working their butts off trying to get power back to Mount Vernon. And, uh, uh, you know, we just, all we did was masked up, put gloves on and sanitized everything we could. And we, that's what we did. That is a <laughs> wonderful project. That and I mean, COVID, project. COVID did not stop us. I mean, we just took extra, those extra precautions before and by being bada boom, we served 500 hamburgers and hot dogs, a thousand overall. And that was, one of the best projects we ever did and and we got two new members out of the deal so that is that is amazing so by being willing uh to take the precautions and to serve safely you were out in when a time in which your community needed it the most and then ended up adding to your membership because you were out and visible of uh, being seen is that a similar story to what is happening throughout the rest of your district uh unfortunately that's not a similar story uh i, I mean i'll be blunt a little bit daniel uh this uh, pandemic has really exposed who were the good successful clubs and who were the bad clubs um who were in trouble and this has oh. really magnified that by 10 and we're going to lose a club here in our district uh, because this finally gave them an excuse to fold, unfortunately. Um, they were looking for an excuse, and now, now they have one. And, so the, uh, the, you're, you're, you're speaking of like the, the clubs that have were like dinner clubs, which <clears throat> focused on the, just the sort of the fellowship and not actively uh, being out there serving. That, that was part of it, Daniel. And the, the other part was they, these were clubs who were less than 10 members who were just uh -huh. hanging on by a thread anyway. And mm -hmm. uh, it really exposed them, unfortunately, uh, to their weaknesses even more because they were weak to begin with. And it's kind of been, I have noticed in the state of Iowa, it's kind of been the, uh, the survival of the fittest with clubs on who's, like I said, who's the strongest or the, or the weakest. And it's been, like I said, magnified by 10. I'm sure, it, I'm sure it's familiar throughout all of the world right now who are the good clubs, who are the struggling clubs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh that's kind of what what i've been seeing going on and the the, the good clubs that were already good clubs they they've survived covid just fine they've they've adapted they've thought outside the box and they're doing just fine uh those clubs who were still kind of in the old school of thinking are struggling now and 
there I I still know there's clubs that haven't met for a year oh. and they don't want to meet online because they don't want to try to and it's unfortunate so. so so as the future leader of your district uh, how are you going to tackle that problem uh lead by example um we, we're gonna i'm gonna lead by example i'm gonna show people that you can do this and you can think outside the box and uh you know we're i'm gonna lead by example and try to show some lion club lions clubs out there that there's a new way of doing things and it, it is successful and that that i've always thought my leadership i've always thought the best leadership style is lead by example because uh, it's one thing to talk to talk but if you don't walk the walk uh, you're not gonna get anybody to follow you and that's just that's just the way i am <laughs> being a that's, sports coach too that's the way that's the way you should be and and as a coach uh, i am sure you also stay true to the, to the principle of never ask anyone to do something that you're not willing to do yourself exactly and it sounds like you're just saying here is the example we need to serve we need to help market and sell uh, our story of service <clears throat> to our communities and here's how you can go about doing that and that is exactly the type of leadership uh, that I think our association needs is people willing to step up because these are difficult times um, I, I am you know a year or two behind you in that district leadership uh, position. So I've got another year to try and figure out what we're going to be doing with uh, our district. And I will be curious to see, um, uh, you, you know, and follow your successes uh, during the, the course of this, this year, because I do think, like you said, that this is not a problem unique to just your district. It's, it's the association, uh, at least in North America as a whole, that we have to figure out how to inspire those, uh, those clubs uh, to step up that aren't serving, that aren't growing, and that may need a little bit of extra help. So, um, and if I could I've say also... something, I was gonna yeah, say, if I could do. say something, Daniel, uh, I kind of see my year, uh, I, I kind of see this year as the halftime in a game. Mm -hmm. You know, you're down by 10. And, uh, you know, you regroup in the locker room and you come up with your game plan and then you, you go out and execute it in the second half. And that's kind of the way I see my year as the second half. And we're ready to, I'm ready to burst out and ready to go. And, you know, as, as a basketball guy, I'm ready to go into fast break and, uh, <laughs> get some easy layups basically is what I'm ready to do because I think uh, there's, there's some easy shots we can, we can take as a district right away. And, uh, get us back to back to form uh you know pre-covid and things like that so I, i'm ready to go i'm i'm ready for the challenge i'm ready to rally, rally the players and inspire them and lead by example and uh i'm ready to go uh i i'm looking forward to it i'm looking forward to the challenge i i'm dead set ready to go and I think that's the right mentality, and you most certainly sound uh, like you are prepared, and you, you've given it some uh, great thought, and that is an extremely important thing, because we are going to need uh, leaders who are ready to hit the ground running on July 1st. Um, and uh, I, I hope uh, that 
through your example, you can inspire others uh, to do the same, because uh, that's such an important thing. There is a one aspect. Uh, I have always been fascinated um, by second generation lions, uh, because it is something that has been passed on. And I myself has said, if we want that next generation of lion leaders, we need to raise them. So as a second generation lion who went from Leo to, to Leo uh, a lion, um, what are your thoughts on uh, making lionism generational and how can we uh, make more of that happen? Well, it's already happening, Daniel. Uh, I can tell you that uh, there are several um, district governors to be this year that are second generation lions or third generation lions. I know at least of uh, three or four that I just know of. That's incredible. And it's already happening. Krisha, uh, uh, who I uh, uh, interviewed earlier this year, she was going to be in my group, but she uh, unfortunately she had, there was a vacancy in front of her, so she had to step up a year early. Mm -hmm. She's a second generation lion. Uh, Brianne Moore of Utah, she's a second generation lion. Uh, actually, she might be a third. I can't remember. Uh, she's going to be a uh, district governor elect. Uh, mm -hmm. From Utah, uh, yeah. From Utah. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a couple others that I think I know of. Uh, I, I can't think of their names right now, but um, that are second or third generation lions. So it's already happening worldwide. I mean, it, it's just you're seeing, you're starting to see a lot younger district governors out there that are under 50 mm -hmm. and it and uh it's it's happening everywhere uh, which is a great thing so it's already happening uh i think you're gonna see more of it daniel um here in the next five years which is going to be great uh <clears throat> because uh they already know what the the mission is and they're mm -hmm. i i won't speak i'll speak for me i mean i'm i'm excited to share my new ideas um with lions um to make us better i just want to make us better uh that that's one thing i always thought of when i was coaching was let's always get better every day and um that's what i want to do is just make us better how do we improve improve on a day uh today basis <laughs> now uh, uh technically i am a second generation lion but that's because i sponsored my parents so <laughs> I, I i don't think that counts even though there are uh, two generations of us that are now uh, alliance. So if you were to um, sum up the reason why you decided to form the Roaring Lion podcast, could you share that, the, the thought process that went into that? Because this is something that I know people tune into uh, each and every single week and hearing a little bit about how you decided to come to this and, and what is the process that you go through with deciding on which episodes you want to do, who you want to interview, all of those things. Can you peel back the curtain just a bit for the listeners and tell give us a little bit of some of the behind the scenes footage about the Roaring Lion podcast? Uh, well, I'll, I'll be honest with the listeners. Uh, <laughs> this summer, I was mowing, doing a lot of mowing uh, and there's a lot of time to think on a mower when you're mowing uh, 15 acres <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, of Facts. of uh, baseball fields. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a lot of time to think, and uh, 
while you're listening to music and uh i was actually listening to a lot of podcasts on the mower and i'm like uh i think i can do this for lionism i think i could actually do this and make it kind of a bi-weekly monthly thing i think i can actually make this work oh. and so uh tried it out and uh uh, it's, it's it's been pretty successful so far. I I try to, um, I try to have those conversations, Daniel. Uh, I I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, we all go to the, the international for, international convention in the USA Canada forums, and you know there's some great great presentations there by uh, a lot of great lions. Mm-hmm. But I've always felt that the best conversations happen. Um, in the lobby of the convention center in the hallway on the bench with a fellow lion in the bar. <laughs> mm-hmm. At the library, yes. <laughs> at, yes. The li- at the library. Uh, you know, going to somebody else's hotel room and talking for two to three hours and uh, learning what their district and what their club does. I feel like that was where some of the best conversations were had. Mm-hmm. And my thought was I want to have those conversations and record them. Uh, that that's kind of what I, what I thought about when I was putting my game plan together. And so I, I try to get guests who will be truthful, be honest, uh, have interesting stories to tell that they would tell you while you're on a bar stool drinking your favorite beverage what their club does and that's the conversations i want to record and uh i think so far they've been very well received uh would like a little more uh listeners but uh right now averaging around uh 75 per episode like to get up to about 125 but uh yeah that's, that's kind of what what happens is i'm trying to get guests who are gonna give those conversations they would give you in a one-on-one or a group conversation at those type of places. And uh, I think that's, I think we've done that a lot mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. far. Uh, absolutely. I'd have to uh, agree. Uh, you've had some uh, pretty amazing uh, guests that I've learned a lot from listening to. So I thank you uh, for everything that you do and continue to do uh, with the Roaring Lions uh, podcast. It is about uh, consistency and continually uh, growing. And I think the more and more people who hear and experience this podcast, uh, the more will want to listen to it. So this goes out to you listeners. Help Lion Paul sell this story. Share and, the podcast. And, uh... I'll say, Daniel, uh, you actually hold the record for the most downloads so far for your episode. So, <laughs> well, that, that that just just goes to show the power of social media <laughs> and, and and being willing to hit the share button. So, if you like what you're listening to, uh, listeners, please please share this experience uh, with uh, all the lions that you know because it is a great venue to be able to talk about lionism, to have these conversations that aren't the type of thing that you would normally get um, during 
your day-to-day. These are the behind-the-scene looks into the lives of lions uh, all around the world. And so I just wanted to uh, thank you, Lion Paul, for the opportunity to ask you some questions, to learn a little bit more about you. So closing thoughts. This is your show. Could you wrap it all up in a nice bow for all of us? Well, uh, I I will say uh, my goal by the end of the Lions year, Daniel, is to get for this show at least one Lions Club member interviewed from each constitutional area. And I think all I have left is South America, uh, the the, um, India around there, their constitutional area. In Australia, I just got three more to go, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully, uh, and I know people from all those constitutional areas. Uh, ho- Australia is a little hard with the time difference, <laughs> um, but Absolutely hopefully, hopefully, we can get somebody from Australia to to come on one of these days. And uh, of course, uh, uh, I have somebody in mind to interview uh, from India. Uh, hopefully, uh, he says yes when I reach out to him. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he'll be a very good uh, interview uh, for that. Um, just did Africa. Uh, my group leader, past council chair, Murtaza. Um, really, that was a really interesting uh, view into what's going on in East Africa around his area. Um, a lot of different missions there in Africa on what what they do because the, the the standard of living is just so much different. It was very very interesting uh, for him to talk about what was going on uh, in that area. Just very fascinating on what was going on. And and the other thing I found fascinating was uh, how LCIF has really helped uh, lions in East Africa. Uh, especially with water and, and medical care. Uh, that was the biggest thing I got out of that. And that's where your dollars go for LCIF is to places like that. And uh, that was fascinating to me. Um, some other ones I found really fascinating. Uh, Steve Glasses, if you haven't listened to it, you, you got to listen to Steve Glasses' episode on oh. leadership philosophies. That's one of the best ones I've ever recorded. It was one of the first ones I ever recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That, that was really great i i love doing that uh the conversation with brian sheehan gosh that was so so wonderful to do um because brian just got to talk Uh, i mean there's no there's no marketing people around him there's no pr people around him he's got to talk and uh that was a real fascinating conversation to have with him um, because he enjoyed that. He, he, he enjoyed it so much. He told me because he just got to talk lionism and it was just one-on-one. And, uh, I, I know a lot of my guests, you know, they kind of dread it going into it. Like, uh, I don't know how this is going to go. But, um, when they sit down, I, I just let them talk. Uh, and I don't, I don't pressure them. I don't do anything like that. I, I, I do what Larry King did. Uh, Larry King was probably one of the best interviewers ever in uh, media, mm-hmm. and he would he would just sit back and let him talk. And I kind of took the Larry King method of of doing that, and uh, I think it's worked out very well. And uh, that, that's about it. I mean, I I hope to I'm hoping to get uh, Vice President 
uh, Douglas Alexander on here before his year starts to talk about uh, what his theme's going to be and what uh, what he's looking forward to his uh, presidential year. Um, Wendy Kane uh, will will be on here uh, probably June or July to talk about the form and mm-hmm. uh, my home state of Iowa, which we're excited to have. Uh, that was a big announcement this week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was that was really good news. Um, yeah, but I, I'm I'm hoping to get some more uh, people on here. And and if you ever want to be interviewed, please uh, let me let me know if you have something interesting to talk about. I'd love to have you on. All right, Lions, you heard it here first. Your opportunity to be on the Roaring Lion podcast, reach out to Lion Paul Fugate on Facebook and email him and let him uh, interview you so you can uh, share your Lions uh, story. Thank you so much, uh, Lion Paul. Uh, I cannot wait to hear those future episodes. They sound amazing oh thank you daniel and thank you for for doing this uh i hope the audience learned a thing or two uh hopefully they don't find me too boring of a person so uh this is this was fun uh to be on the opposite end for once absolutely turn the tables for once all right folks uh have a good night and keep surfing mm-hmm.